Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Aspects of Writing with your host, James Kelly. Now, let's get right. Here's your host, James Kelly. Hello and welcome to Aspects of Writing. I'm your host, James Kelly, and my guests for today's show are Aaron Phillips and Brittany Bearden. And Brittany, you're joining us from Florida, I believe. I am. All right. Of course, Aaron's right here in the studio. Right here. I'm not a hologram. <laughs> I promise. I'm here. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Hey, Britt. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good to see everybody. It's so good to be alive right. on a Sunday. So, Aaron, why don't we start off by you telling yeah. us who you are? Who I am. Yeah. Uh, my name is Aaron Phillips. I'm a member of the Las Vegas Entertainers Hall of Fame induction 2018. I've been behind a microphone for 16 and a half years. Um, I do a lot of shows. I don't want to uh, broadcast studio. Aaron's Hour is my flagship show, Saturdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Pacific. And then I also do a uh, wrestling show called Thoughts Count Anywhere. That's Saturdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, I'm a public speaker, podcast trainer, but now because of Brittany's help, and one of the reasons we are here today is I can also add author uh, to my resume because I went through a health transition uh, about five years ago, and I needed to tell my story, and uh, now I can add author to my title. Absolutely. So. And the name of your book is How to Be Liked in Five Minutes? Or is no, it, I wish. That's, that's my old, that's, that's an old, that was an That's old, an e-book. That's an e-book that's still yeah. on my website. Oh, okay. But, but right. the one I wrote right. with, uh, with Brittany's help, um, Let My Voice Speak to You. That's oh, my slogan. Okay. Um, uh, Tales of a Hall of Fame, uh, Las Vegas Hall of Fame broadcaster. And uh, yeah, so let my voice speak to you. Let me share my message to you and, and hopefully, you know, it'll help somebody. So that's the title. So give me an idea of what you're talking about with the book, why that book was important to write for you. Well, um, in 2017, I weighed 354 pounds. Okay. I had a lot of medical issues. I had uh, sleep apnea, stage two, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, type two diabetes, et cetera. And the doc looked at me and he said, you need to lose a lot of weight and fast. And so together with my wife, actually, we both did the gastric sleeve surgery in August of 2017. Okay. And I went from 354 Pre-pandemic, I got down to 215. Okay. Uh, so the COVID-19, though, now has given me the COVID-20 that I'm trying to work oh. back on. <laughs> but, the, but the things I learned that my wife and I learned in our health transition are things that uh, I wanted to share. I felt that my message was important for not only for me, but on behalf of my wife, that people can learn things about themselves that don't necessarily have to apply through a health situation. They can be applied to anything in life. Yeah. And uh, that, that's the majority of the book. It's really a book about education, I'm sorry, inspiration, education, and laughter. Because the majority of it is telling our story about the health change. Um, little tidbits on how to do podcasting. And then I tell some crazy stories from when the microphones are not on, as you can attest to. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and so that's really the... Kind of like what we went through today. Exactly. <laughs> they only knew, right? <laughs> uh, and that's really what the book's about, just sharing the message. Because I want to share my message, whether it's to one person or 10,000 people on stage someday. And uh, that's what the book's about. And thank goodness it's been well-received. And I've been getting comments back about how it's helped a lot of people from dealing with depression, which I talk about in the book, because Brittany is so good at what she does. She dragged all that out of me, which is why I loved working with her. Because if I wrote my own book on my own, James, I'd be writing a comic book. It would be in color in three pages. <laughs> well, I want to introduce Brittany. Please, so, Brittany, yes. why don't you tell us a little about who you are? Sure. Um, I'm a ghostwriter, um, among other things. I also have a public relations company and I've been ghostwriting books since 2011. Okay. And so how did you meet Aaron as far as ghostwriting his book? Cause you're in Florida. He's here in Vegas. Um, we met, um, my husband was a speaker and, uh, we met through the speaking uh, Jeff and Aaron spoke at the same event. As well as Jeff and I hosting that wrestling show for a year, too. Remember that one? Yes, yes but that's not how. <laughs> that's not the original. You're right. That's not the original. But All right. So, Brittany, um, how did you get into writing? Because, you know, I've done some ghost writing myself. But what led up to that? Sure. 
English major in college, and I didn't really know what to do with it when I graduated from college. So my mom said I should just Google freelance writing gigs. Like, it hadn't occurred to me to just Google it. Um, and so I did, and I started working for a book publicist, and I was writing about 70 press releases a week. And so one day he said, do you think you could edit a book? And I said, I could try. Sorry about that. I edited the book. um, And then a couple months later, he said, do you think you could ghostwrite a book? And I said, I could try. Um, And so he had me ghostwrite that one in a month. I never write a book in a month anymore. I would never do that again. But um, (laughs) Wow. Wow. That that's pretty amazing. I mean, I've, I've ghostwritten, but it's, it's taken me sometimes six months, sometimes a year. They wanted it done in a month because they were speakers and they wanted to get the stage at a certain event. But, but his book isn't really like a novel though, in that sense. Um, how, how, how long is that book? How many pages? I think it's about 120 oh. pages, right? Oh, that's still Roughly. pretty good size. Yeah. Yeah. No pictures though. That's in the no next pictures. edition. Yeah. So I understand from Aaron that he dictated this to you and you literally wrote it from dictation. Uh, Yes. And I also asked him questions to draw more information out of him. Okay. I felt like I was in a confessional. Yeah. (laughs) See, and what I like about Aaron is he does, he's not afraid to say he had someone help him write this book. No, absolutely not. Because most people don't want anyone Mm. to know that someone ghost wrote the book for them. Oh, heck not. I, it's really hard to put like testimonials on your website or anything like that because no one wants to say that they did it. I've only had one that did it mine. Everyone else I had to sign a, the contract stating that, you know, I'd be anonymous. Unless they give me credit somewhere in the book. And you can't really build a business based on referrals for the most part because no one says that they... Right. Uh, yeah. There is a challenge there. Yes. <laughs> Definitely a challenge. Well, how did you, what, how, how was this experience for you, Aaron? In a way, it was almost cathartic. I mean, it was like going to a psychiatrist and telling my stories only without the couch, you know, um, because, um, fortunately, you know, Britt knew me as, as she talked about before we collaborated and I had started with another ghostwriter who then moved out of town and uh, he and I met face to face, but it really wasn't uh, in a way it worked out because I wasn't comfortable with the direction and what was happening with it. And then when Britt and I got started, it was like we would make these appointments and we would be on the phone, well, about an hour each phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just knew she just knew where to go and what to drag out of me, knowing the health story and everything. And for me, it was almost like like literally like going to a psychiatrist or psychologist just to finally talk and get stuff brought up and, and bring out that was part of the story that, like I said, if I were to sit down and write it, I would have never thought to include many of the points that are in the book. And uh, I, it was a great experience, and I, I've recommended Brittany to a couple of people that uh, were talking about doing a book or how did I write it, and I, I'm right up front. You know what? Hey, I had a ghostwriter. I had somebody write it with me. Not a ghostwriter when I tell them who did it with – what's that? I said that I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're really not a ghostwriter when you tell them who did right. it with you. Yeah, but, she's no longer a ghostwriter. But, that, but that's okay. I mean, you know, it's, it was a great experience, and, and uh, anybody who has a book in them, if they – like you said, James, if you need help – be honest and yeah. you need help and do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it ended up being a much, and when, it, and when it was done and I got the final copy and she helps with all the connections from A to Z, not just doing the book, but doing getting somebody for the cover and printing and all of that. That's really, great. That's fantastic. For, for me, it was just a matter of approving everything that came in, Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, it was really one stop shopping for me. And, but when I got that book in my hand for the very first time, I just sat there and I held it. It's mm-hmm. like, Holy cow. It, it actually happened. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity. So Brittany, have you ever written anything for yourself, like a novel or yeah. Um, I'm currently writing a book about PR. Okay. And I'm currently writing a book about writing a book. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when it came to the writing of the book for you, Aaron. Yes. Um, and you were t- talking about being cathartic. Ooh. How did you view yourself before you lost the weight? I'm just, and, yeah, and yeah. is this in the book? Sure. And how do you view yourself now? Do people look at you differently, you think? Oh, my goodness. Because I went and back Physically, and, looked at, I about- went back and <laughs> looked at old pictures. So yeah, I'm just letting you know. That's fine. <laughs> you know, when I, was, when I was heavy, I just, when I saw myself in the mirror, I knew I was out of shape, but it just didn't look as bad as it did when you see yourself in a picture. Uh-huh. Okay. 
And, uh, you know, there were things I just couldn't do with my body. And I'm not old by any stretch. I mean, next oh, next month, July, I'll be 58. I mean, I'm not over the oh, hill by any stretch. Yeah. But when you're 350 pounds and you're shopping for a 3 and 4X and you really go by that regular size aisle and you say, boy, I wish I could really wear that. Yeah. Um, it, it does play a little bit of a mental tone. I've been suffering from depression for a long time since my mom passed uh, almost 22 years ago. And I'm not shy to share that. And now compound it with, you know, you're not healthy. But you finally have an answer to get healthy. Now, it's like I'm in my own witness protection program. Okay. Because nobody recognizes me right. anymore. You know, right. I've been in rooms. I've gone to networking meetings where I've seen people look at me across the room. And you know, when you get that look, I know you from somewhere, but I just can't place it. Until they hear my voice. My voice is a giveaway. Then people made the connection. And now people compliment about how well I look and, and my, how I feel. And, and it feels great. It feels great that I took control of my own situation. And I think that's why I was so encouraged by other people that I had to put my story down in a book to help other people. Um, I've helped people. I do one-on-ones with people, whether it's weight loss or whatever. I've been very public about my story on on social media because I want to help people. And uh, now putting it to to print, um, it's just another way for me to reach other people that maybe are not in Vegas or who maybe don't want to pick up the call, the phone. And I have people referring books, referring books, and it's great. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. We do perceive people on how they look. Sure. So when I looked back at the pictures today, in my mind, I tried to imagine I didn't know you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, how would I have accepted Aaron back then? Mm -hmm. And you look jolly. You look very happy. I would have – you're, not that you're not. No, now. no, no. I mean, please, still no, are, absolutely. But, you know, I'm, I'm from Jersey, damn it. I could take it, James. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> but, you know, we do perceive yes. people in different sure. ways on, on how they look. And, mm -hmm. and it's sad that we do that, but it is true. Because you're the same person. You're the exact same person. But how you present yourself. So I, I'll use the word self-esteem. You know, doing what you and I do and, and what Britt does on paper, you have to have a certain measure of very conf confident, especially what you and I do on microphones. Mm -hmm. You know, like last night I was telling you I had a gig yeah. doing wrestling commentary and I'm meeting people from all over and whatnot. You have to feel pretty secure with yourself yeah. to put yourself out there. Yeah. I still put myself out there when I was 130 pounds heavier, but with a little more caution. Oh, okay. You know? So you have more confidence now. Now it's just like I'll talk to I'll talk to grass. If I feel like I want to just lay down the lawn and talk to a blade of grass, I'm starting a conversation. You know, I'm not as uncomfortable because I'm physically more appealing to somebody to come up to and talk to than I might have been might have been before. So my self-esteem in a lot of ways is I'm doing things with my body now mm -hmm. that I could have never done before. And I'll give you a simple example. I do CrossFit now three times a week, okay. which I started shortly after my surgery. I could never jump rope. Never. Oh, wow. Because yeah. I was afraid. Yeah. Here's this 350-pound guy trying to jump around a rope. Are you kidding me? And now I can jump rope. I'm curious with Brittany. Brittany, how did you handle this? Because have you you've never been overweight? You don't look like you have ever been overweight. Thank you. I have been overweight. Oh, in my life. oh. So you had a little bit of similarities that you could relate to then. Right. Okay. Because I was wondering how would you know what questions to ask and how to get into the site inside the mind of Aaron Phillips. I mean, how oh, do you? Oh God, please, no well, one wants to get in. Maybe there. you don't want to get in there, but like you know, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're just kind of like think through it, um, and. A lot of it, like, I knew Aaron because we're good friends, like, um, my husband and his wife, and we've all gone to dinner many times. Um, so it was kind of like cheating, but I knew a lot of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a way, though, I... God, Britt, I'm sorry, but I think you said it right, James. Britt, I, I, because we know each other, you really did put yourself in my shoes and knew how to ask those questions of myself. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? It does. Yeah. It yeah. does help if you knew the person. Um, and you knew him after he lost the weight as well. So you did you perceive him differently? He lost the weight as well as after he lost yeah. the weight. Yeah. So did you perceive him differently after he's lost weight? Do you see Aaron any different than you did before? I think Aaron uh, has a new lease on life, really. Okay. Like, he's just uh, super confident. Um, I don't think he was ever timid, um, but, but like, yeah, he just really radiates positivity and feeling good about himself. Um, and he really inspires other people. Um, and he works really hard at it. Like they say, a lot of people after bariatric surgery gain weight back, mm -hmm. but it's been over five years and he and his wife have both kept the weight off. So your wife, really hard. 
your wife was overweight as well because she didn't look like it in the pictures. She, um, my wife doesn't tip the scales at five feet. She's four eleven and three quarters. Okay. I had all the medical issues. All right. um, for her, it was a matter of the BMI index when we both went because thank God she's healthy. But as someone who, I mean, I don't want to give out the scale number, but, but the insurance company approved it because her BMI was out of out of whack with her body, and so we did our surgeries what twelve days apart back in 2017 and she wanted me to go first because of my other health conditions so she wanted me to get that stuff started getting under control first 12 days later she did it and for us it's been a blessing because we've been able to do this together this journey and i in the book i think i reference a lot of points and, and brit you can correct me if, if i'm wrong on this there are many points although i talked about it like in the first person like it was my story right. but there were a lot of situations where i talked about my wife and i we did this you know we, we did it together in accountability so my wife is as much part of the book as Aaron's name is on the front cover, mm -hmm. but my wife is very much part of that book because we did this together. So you, you think that that actually motivated you, the two of you doing this together? Because I know I'm going to reference Randy Jackson, Adele, yes. Rebel Wilson. All yep. these people lost a tremendous amount of weight. Al Roker. Al Roker. Mm -hmm. And – you know, we do see them different. I'm going to be honest. We do. Sure, we see sure. them differently than when they were overweight. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, and I don't even want to say overweight, really, when they were heavier. Sure. Because yeah. Well, you're you overweight. Know. You're obese. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, okay. But you can go too far. I'll give an example. In my opinion, in my opinion only, Al Roker was a big guy when he was on TV. I think he went too far losing the weight. Okay. And then I guess he's kind of put a few pounds back on where he looks better. Sometimes you can lose weight and look sick. Because you've lost too well, much because weight. Because you look emaciated compared to what you e used to exactly. look like. Exactly. Yeah. But if you, if you get to that point, like people thought when I was at 212, mm -hmm. I lost too much weight. I should have put 10 pounds back on because they thought I looked not emaciated, but it but, just didn't look as good. Right. Then, you know, yeah. uh, although I felt healthy, I, I saw muscles in my body that I hadn't seen since like high school. They're there. Yeah, you know, they are there. But there's a, you, you reach a level where you have to go, you know what? Okay, I'm where I want to be. Now you start maintaining, which, listen, folks, maintaining is not, is not easy either. It's hard getting to where you want to be, but maintaining is probably twice as hard because it's too easy to fall back into the bad habits. Look, with the, with the sleeve surgery that I had, people think they put like netting over my stomach. I want people to realize, and, and I know Britt can attest to this, my stomach is down to the size of a banana now, so I have to eat differently, less quantities and stuff. However, I have 12 titanium staples in my stomach. Oh, but the stomach is a muscle. Right. So if I overdo it, guess what? I'll find that 130 pounds again, mm -hmm. and I'm back to square one, which I swear that I would never, ever do because all the medications I had, was able to take myself off of, high blood pressure, diabetes, blah, 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 blah. I'm no longer diabetic. And it's in my family for generations because so of it. You switched your eating habits, I assume. You have to. Right. And you and Eileen both work out all the time, too. She's Correct. super into like Pilates and things like that. You're yes. into the CrossFit. You don't just go like, oh, I had this surgery. No, and you can't. You're right. Yeah, you're 100% you're right. It's a mixture of the nutrition and body movement. I've now added kickboxing into my routine just to break up the okay. routine of CrossFit. Okay. But that's all in the book. People have to find their own way. You know, when I talk to people, we share the benefits of our experience. I never sit down and say, you should do this, this, or this. In the book, I give a couple of suggestions. 30-30-30 rule is in there. Um, the old, uh, one other hint that I, that I give people, how do you, you know, the old riddle, how do you eat an elephant? Do you know the answer to that? No, what's the answer? One bite at a time. Oh yeah, one bite at a time. Right, yeah. because people think, well, I'm going to, you know, start my diet tomorrow, but I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I'll magically be a hundred pounds lighter tomorrow. Sorry folks, doesn't work that way. And so I give some suggestions how to take that old riddle and start retraining your brain. This is really, you know, when you, when you get healthy and do these kind of things, whether it's exercise or, or putting your mind to work at doing a, a job, whatever, it's all here. And sometimes you have to reprogram the brain and get rid of the bad habits mm -hmm. and slowly replace them with better habits so that the brain says, oh, wait a minute. Okay, this is the new norm coming. We can, we can deal with this. Don't give me the whole thing. Don't avalanche me. But one step at a time, it really applies. And again, fortunately, Britt knew how to pull that out of me in a way that the book makes sense from beginning to end because I tell the backstory, uh -huh. I tell the middle story, and at the end I wrap it in a neat bow about how you can still do this. And that's what I wanted to ask. Brittany, you knew him during this process of him losing the weight, correct? Yes. So how would you handle this? How would you – if someone wants to become a ghostwriter, 
and they're not sure on how to tackle this. Because you had an insight to Aaron and you kind of took that journey a little bit with him, I think that gives you a little bit of an advantage now to say, here's what you should be looking for when you go to ghostwrite. Here's the questions you should be trying to ask. It actually helped, I think, in, in that sense that you can give a lot of advice on, on how you could, would go about ghostwriting. Right. Like, if I didn't know him, I might do some reading online about what bariatric surgery was like okay. and, like, ask questions based on what I read online. Okay. And when it comes to asking him the pertinent questions for writing that book, obviously, if you knew Aaron, you knew what questions to ask him, um, or you may have even filled the gap in yourself. Um, how would you take someone who's a novice who say they didn't know Aaron and Aaron called them and said, I need a ghostwriter. Can you help me write this book? What advice would you give them to help you know, write that process, do that process of writing. You can read online about what bariatric surgery was like, but, and sometimes it's just natural. Like sometimes I don't have all the questions right now. Sometimes he'll just say something and then I okay. actually have three follow-up questions to that. Because I'd want to know, for instance, what, how did you feel as a person before you lost the weight? And, and what, what was the, the one thing that turned the tide that made you decide you have to do this? I know health is one. We talked about that. 2013, the final straw. It was, I, I, diabetes has been in my family. That was the main medical culprit, my family going back to my great-grandmother. And 2013, I had a major bout with cellulitis. I was in the hospital for 17 days. Okay. For those who don't know, it's a bacterial infection that gets into your body through an open wound or cut. And my right leg from ankle to knee over the course of about 36 hours turned as red as your tie. Okay. I was in the hospital for 17 days with getting nuclear <laughs> IV bottles every eight hours to get the infection out. Immediately started going to an endocrinologist and we made a deal with each other. He said, the doc said to me, you need to lose weight and I want you down to 210 pounds. And at the time I said, well, I played football and I know my body mm -hmm. and I would look unhealthy at 210 pounds because of my structure. And I said, how about we settle on like 225, 230? He says, okay, let's get there first. I said, fine. Well, suffice it to say, two, three years later, I hadn't done anything because my diabetes, even though, you know, at that time was kicking my butt, I work all day by three o'clock. I'm ready to take a nap for the, like the rest of the day. I'm at work at my desk and I had no energy. And, uh, then just going to doctors and getting blood work and they saw something in my liver count and one thing led to another led to another. I listen, the only regret I have in doing this procedure five, almost five years ago is that I didn't do it years earlier. Oh, okay. Because when I see where I'm at now and how it's changed my life, because now my daughter, I have twin daughters. Okay. Uh, Brittany knows them. One of them is in Virginia. She now for the last four years has been doing CrossFit and is watching her health. My other daughter, although she just recently changed jobs, she was working on the road with traveling musicals. So her schedule is a little wonky. She's trying to get healthier because we've, I pleaded with them. Don't wait until you get to my age or your mother's age. Because I mean, my wife and I are only like two months apart until you decide to do something to get healthy. And I've implored them every year for your physical, get your blood checked for diabetes. That's a big concern I have because my mom at 58 lost her life due to complications oh, wow. of diabetes. And you can get diabetes no matter by, no matter what weight you are, by the way. That's exactly, exactly right. And, and I had type two, so I wasn't born with it. It wasn't hereditary. Right. I mean, it was because type two is in my family, but there's ways you can not get it if you're smart. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't smart. You know, I mean, my wife and I, over 30 plus years of marriage, you know, we've been on just about every, we'll call them diets, because this really isn't a diet. This is a way of life when we're doing what we do now. But the weight goes up and down, which is not healthy. That's what's really bad. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And finally, when, when my wife and I made this decision to do this, it was like playing Texas Hold'em. We just put all of our chips in the middle because I really physically had to change in order to get healthy. And people come up to my wife and I and, and other people and, oh, you had, oh, you cheated to lose weight and get out. No, it was a tool that I had, just like there's Weight Watchers and everybody right. else. Yeah, exactly. This was yeah, a tool yeah. that yeah. I felt I needed to be consistent with the nutrition and, and, and healthy lifestyle. Right. And it is, I keep saying lifestyle. It is. it is. You have to learn to adjust. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. so that, that's really the, the thing for me that makes the big difference because I told my kids uh, when, when 
I'm going to be around till I'm 120 to haunt the daylights out of them for as long as I possibly can now that I'm healthy. You know, so um, I'm very happy with where it is, and, and it's been a good thing. The one thing I've learned about the stomach, and I know you know this, you should know this already, is mm-hmm. that it can stretch. It oh, yeah. can it's grow. A muscle. It can get bigger. Right. Um, because I had stomach surgery as well. Okay. And and I learned the hard way. You know, I lost 20 pounds within two weeks mm-hmm. when I had my surgery. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't take much to put that back on, even though they right. said you probably will keep this off, you'll never get it. You know, mm-hmm. nah, the I get it back. And that's why I said before, the stomach, folks, is nothing more than a muscle. Okay, muscle stretch, muscles build, and the pandemic was very difficult because you get out of the habit of working out. My CrossFit box was closed, so you try to work out at home. It's not the same workout. You're sitting around doing nothing, even though you don't want to go out and get food, but. You know, all right, there's chips in the house instead of the carrot sticks. So where am I going? And you're not moving. So that really, really put a dent into everything. Uh, We have friends of ours, two cousins. um, They both live out here. And years and years ago, they both had the bypass, not the sleeve, but the bypass. All right. The bypass is the original method where they go in and move stuff around. One of them has kept the weight totally off. The other one? Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Not so much. No. All the weight is back. Yeah. So... People have to realize that when they get healthy, it's a commitment to a lifestyle. No matter what program they're going to do, it's more than just, okay, I'll lose a few pounds and then, you know, let themselves go. No, it's a commitment more than just eating. So even with the the gastric bypass or the sleeve, Mm -hmm. it's a temporary fix, really, if you think about it. Because only if you don't treat it right. And that's what I was going to say is as long as you you follow certain guidelines or do certain things to change or alter. Because I know I wasn't hungry after I had surgery. I was no longer hungry anymore because my stomach's smaller. Right. Um, but as time passes, those chips look fantastic. It's so no, those, those shakes. And- I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you I don't have a piece of cake every once in a while. Okay. But when I was health, when I was heavier, I would have a piece of cake. Yeah. Now my wife and I could take a little corner off of a birthday cake, a little corner, maybe this big. Yeah. We'll each take a fork satisfied and we get rid of the rest. That's great. Very happily. Yeah. You know, um, and, and if we only just did that early on, coulda, wouldas, and shouldas, it's still a matter of how, that's why I said before, maintaining afterwards yeah, is just, probably harder than getting the weight off and surviving this, you know, going through the surgery. And everybody's yeah. experience is different right. through this. And that's one thing I had to stress in the book because I'm a member of groups on, online on Facebook, for instance, of groups that are talking about gastric sleeve or losing weight. And well, what can you tell me about bypass? What can you tell me about the band? That's another one, which I find absolutely ridiculous, by the way. Do you know what they, the band is, the gastric band? I know what it is, but I don't know how it works. It's it's basically an O-ring okay. that is put at the top of the, the, the top of the stomach, yeah, yeah, bottom of the esophagus, and it's filled with saline. That's all that it is. Mm-hmm. Tightens it up. So if it tightens up, can you eat as much? No. But if they take some of the saline out and loosens it up, guess what? You can put more food in. And I bring this up for this reason. I was in my doctor's office for a follow-up. I think I shared this story in the book, Brett. I, I don't remember if I did, but I'm sitting there waiting for a follow-up, and there's a sign in the doctor's office, $150 to take saline out of your band and $150 to put saline back in your band. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what? what? So a lady checked in. Honest to God, as I'm, my mother's life, I'm telling you, this is a true story. The lady came in. Her appointment was there to have some of the saline removed from the band to loosen it because her and her husband were going on a 10-day cruise, and it was all you can eat and drink. Oh, no. And then after the surgery, guess what? She was going to plunk down another 150 bucks To put it back. To put it back. And I said, first of all, I, I didn't want a foreign body in my in, inside me. That's, that's right. the O-ring itself. Right, right. But doing that? Isn't that kind of defeating even more well, that's so? that's the same thing as gaining weight and losing weight. <laughs> but that's instantaneous. Yeah. At least if I mess it up, I can gain weight over six months. Yeah. This was yeah, in yeah. six minutes. Yeah. You know? And and that to me was like, I know I made the right choice for me because the, the sleeve surgery is a is a um, uh, quick surgery, 45 minutes. It's laser. It's in and out. You know, um, I, the doctor never touched me. He was sitting in the corner buying his little... Uh, 
Oh table. yeah, the robot. The yeah. robot's the next adventure. to me. Yeah. yeah, and and I had a I had a very good experience coming out of it. My wife, on the other hand, she did not. Oh, uh, she's not. She's never good with um, the anesthesia. But when it comes to eating, the way the body changes, you have to have a certain amount of liquids before you leave the hospital and protein. Blah 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 blah. Hey, give me the steak. That, as soon as I got in the hospital room and I was awake. I was eating that jello. I was taking that water down. It was going down no problem. My wife, she took a sip of water after the neck. She just was ready to blow yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but that's that's why in these groups, I can't talk to anybody that had the bypass. I don't know the experience. Yeah. Even with the sleeve, my doctor put us on no protocols before. I could have had steak dinner, Chinese and and uh, uh, chicken parm the night before surgery. It didn't matter. I just had to stop eating by, by midnight. Mm -hmm. But other people, dear friend of mine here in town, he had the surgery and up to two weeks before is when he had to shift to the shakes and oh, start changing. Not, yeah. not me, man. I, we were dead on to the very end. We had our last suppers the night before. And I, again, I shared that in there. So my wife and I consult together with people mm -hmm. only in the arenas where we can justifiably talk about our experience. I won't talk to anybody who had the band. I can't talk to anybody who had the bypass because we didn't have that experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a bypass. I had a fundoplication. Okay. Which is very similar to a bypass. Okay. Um, mine was for a different reason. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine that's a very painful surgery, by the way. So The one you had? Yeah, because they detached the stomach. Oh, and, yeah. And, oh. So, you <laughs> know, I would mine probably recommend more what you're talking <laughs> about than, you know, as yeah. opposed to anything else. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. You don't know and and – Britt, you could you could chime in on this if you'd like. You don't know who wants the help, mm -hmm. but is afraid to reach out. And but that's why I made an early decision to make my story public because I have the public forum, I have the microphone, I have Facebook, I have all these things where I could share my story. But when I talk to people, I don't want to make it about me. So what I do is I sit down with people and I say, okay, what do you want to know? Yes. Ask me your questions. Because if I tell you what I went through, it's going to be completely different than yours. So when you wrote the book, Brittany, did you suggest that he approach it that way? Or did you suggest it, Aaron? In which way? In that, you know, how, what do you want to know? How, how is your book written in that way? Because I've not read your book yet. Why not? <laughs> so don't worry about it. The copy that's here, and I have a little tradition. When I sign, folks, I want you, well, the plastic ripped off. When I sign autographs, when people order a book, I take a fresh pen like the president would when he's signing something right. and I autograph my book. So that copy will be yours after the show oh, and I'll, right. I'll sign it on camera. I'll, so I'll do my know. best to read it. But <laughs> I, I think when Britt and I talked about it, I think we kind of went through that. What my mindset was right, Britt. I think that's kind of the road we went down. I think so. It's been like two years now. <laughs> I know. I know. I haven't read my book lately anyway. I just live it all the time. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, yeah. but we did. It was, it was a matter of the chronology of what my thought process was. Mm -hmm. We had just got, I just had my follow-up appointment. One of the things that they found was an issue with my liver. I had to have a biopsy. Mm -hmm. And when I went to the doctor and got the results that weekend, my wife and I went to a local uh, restaurant uh, during football season. You know, the bars in town have their teams. Oh, yeah. So we went to a Giants bar, New York Giants uh, team, and we're sitting there. And this gentleman to my left, I, this I know I put in, this, in the book. And he's sitting there, and at 10 a.m. in the morning, he's ordering, he's ordering a shrimp scampi. At 10 a.m. Now, this place serves breakfast. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I said to my wife, I said, babe, I said, check that guy out over there. He's ordering shrimp scampi. I'm like, I know cold pizza in the morning can be a breakfast, but yeah. not shrimp. And so he ordered it, and, and we watched him. He took, I kid you not, one shrimp off the top, ate it, and then had a to-go box for the rest wow. of it. And I looked at him and said, babe, he said, and I said, excuse me, sir. I said, I can't, I, I got to ask. He said, and I quote, if you had known me a year prior, mm -hmm. I was 170 pounds heavier. Wow. Okay. Because he had just had the sleeve surgery. Yeah. Not just, but he had it a year earlier. So we got his doctor's name, and thank goodness he was covered under my wife's plan. And so we ended up using the same doctor. And you go to these sessions where um, you can, you're, you're, it's like a consultation, but it's a general setting, ask your questions and stuff. So my wife and I went. We signed up. Our insurance company put us through a six-month protocol of things we had to do. Listen, the first day, one of them was meeting with a nutritionist, and I know this is in the book. Um, we spent so much time in the Albertsons that day reading the labels of everything that we were picking up because they teach you how to read, what to look for. Here's another hint I'm going to tell your viewers. If you are watching your sugars, if you're diabetic or not, if you find an ingredient there called sugar alcohol, you can find stuff that says low sugar, no sugar, but you check the ingredients, you see sugar, alcohol, 
drop it and run. That's worse than regular really? sugar. Absolutely. You just 26 grams of sugar alcohol. Uh-uh. Wow. Sorry. Okay. Nope. Yeah. Put it keep it on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. But we were in an Albertsons for three hours reading labels, trying to figure out what to do. I do that too. I I, I have to do that because I'm also gluten free. Okay. I, I'm allergic sure. to wheat. Literally allergic gotcha. to wheat. Gotcha. So I have to read every label. So gotcha. I spend hours in the grocery store when yeah. I yeah. So yeah. But you're 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 looking for that meal. This is all new to us. And we're oh, like, oh okay. Yeah. You know, when you're heavy, you didn't yeah. care what it was. You yeah, know, yeah. double stuffed Oreos and water at 9 p.m. was my chaser before I went to bed. You know what I'm saying? That was my that was, because I've I don't never smoke. Done that, so. I don't smoke. I, I don't drink. I don't have any any of those vices. But food was my vice that was yeah. my stressor and you know my wife and i are watching tv and here we are at nine o'clock at night and did a bag of double stuff oreos now they did me a favor they now came out with triple stuff and i can't eat those i could but i don't um but that's where i was and so the the order that Britt had me go through like i said for me if i, I would have been like that cat chasing that red light <laughs> writing my book i'd have been yeah. all over the place Britt kept me in line the whole way, and that's why I'm so glad I did it this way. I want to ask you, because you just brought this up about how you had to have your Orioles there at night and whatever to right. drink. Um, when you think back about that, because you're already overweight, mm-hmm. did that ever enter your mind as you're eating these? Um, should I be doing this? Or, Every time. Every and you time. still did it. Absolutely. Creature of habit. Still today, they tell you you should stop eating or drinking 8 p.m., no later, whether, whether you're healthy or not. And... But, you know, we're up watching TV and you get that urge and you're thinking about the day and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm walking in the kitchen. And now, smart people, <laughs> right, would take maybe one cookie, two cookies. See, I had a terrible habit of emptying the Oreo bag into a Ziploc. Yeah. Because, you know, in the in the wrapping, once you open it up, they don't stay fresh. Right. I'm the same way. I do right? not like stale cookies. So I say, right? you can't. It's it's yeah. illegal in some that's states. Right, that's right. You know? yeah, yeah. And so I would I would open them up. Put everything into a Ziploc. So instead of taking one or two out, what would I do? I would just take the bag of Ziplocs with me and have it next to me. You know, water. And I'm thinking, it's like the old thing. Well, don't worry, I'm on a diet. What'd you have for dessert? Seven-layer cake. But don't worry, I had Diet Coke with it. It's the same thing. I have my water with me. I'm thinking, okay, you know, it doesn't work that way. But every time when I look at the clock and we're sitting there 9, 9.30 and I'm eating cookies, yeah, what are you doing? It's so late. It's not, and I, you know, the devil and the angel, right? The angel tells the devil to shut up. They taste good. You know, so. and I think I still do that. You know, I, I still, you know, I know I, I need to lose a few pounds mm-hmm. and I, and I'll think, but I'm like you, I'm here at the office sometimes yeah. I'm open up a bag of cookies. I'm thinking, well, I don't want him to get a stale. <laughs> we don't have it. That's right. I mean, you have, a reasons, you, right. know, as, you justify the bad you habits. Justify. Is that in your book? Which, which part? About justification? justifying. Yeah. Yes. I okay. think we did that. Right. Right. Justification about <laughs> you know, justification about doing bad habits, right? We kind of talked about that because I think we talked about that. Yeah. yeah, you have to listen. We do things for a reason. We we just after a while we do things out of habit. That's why going back to the riddle, how do you eat an elephant? When I sit with people, yeah. And even though I consult with people, there's the the thirty 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 rule, which if you want I can explain, but it is in the book, so you can go to Amazon or buy the hard copy. Uh, cheap plug, um, but. <laughs> The habits have to change. You're not going to change all your habits overnight. And I was very emphatic about that in the book. That's why I started telling the story about the elephant. And what I do is is I, t- I talk to people, just pick one thing in your routine. And I'll give you a prime example. A teacher at my wife's school, one day I was there subbing, and she started talking to me about it. And she loved Tootsie Rolls, you know, their little bite-sized oh, ones. Yeah, yeah. And they're on her desk in her classroom and everything. And she, wouldn't, she would eat them like M&Ms. And I told her, I said, just change one thing. I told her the whole story. Change those Tootsie Rolls out for something else that's healthier that will give you the same oral satisfaction. Right, exactly. You know, the, the old rule is, well, carrot sticks or things like that. Right, right. But just find something that you know is healthier. So it was a month maybe before I went back to my wife's school to sub, and I saw the teacher. I said, hey, how's it going? You know, she lost 25 pounds because she built something. After that first week of changing the Tootsie Rolls out, the rule then, what I suggest, is you then take a second thing in your lifestyle, do that on top of the first week. Then the third week, something new. And by the end of a month, now you've retrained your brain 2.0, rebooted it to now all these healthier habits. And then that first month, she lost about 20 pounds. 20, 25 pounds was amazing. Did you ever have a trainer? In, in when I worked out? Once you oh, started losing the weight. Always. Even, even before my surgery, you know, I went to the gyms. Okay. And as much, I mean, I played football in high school. But I'm not going to kid myself. I mean, I know I can lift and I know reps. But what, if I'm going to do that. I want to do it right. I don't want to hurt myself. I already, I've already had a shoulder repair because of an exercise during CrossFit. Okay. And that's with trainers. Okay. 
So I realized after I had the surgery, I wanted to go continue on, but I didn't want a gym membership. Then on top of that, you're paying $40, $50, $60 a session. No, thank you. That's where CrossFit came in for me, and I went to their one-hour um, CrossFit modulus, by the way. Um, <laughs> little plug there. little plug there. I try to plug everybody. I try to help everybody. Uh, um, and the first one-hour free is just kind of like your benchmark exercises, push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, and just to kind of see where you are. The one exercise that sold me on this was the last exercise was back squats. Very simple. Okay. So you're in a rack. I mean, this is an Olympic event. So you're, you're in a rack, which is the, the, the metal frame where the bar can sit on, and they put weight on it, and you get under the bar so that the bar's literally laying across your traps, across mm -hmm. your neck. Put on your back, you step away from the bar, and you're going down into a squat, and you're coming back up, standing up and down. They only had 50 pounds on there. You know, 50 pounds, but let me tell you, I loved, when I tell you I loved that exercise, that was the exercise that sold me on going to CrossFit. Wow. Okay. So I told the I told the owner I just come. It was a couple of months out from my surgery. I still had another month or so to go. But as soon as I get the clearance, man, I am here. So January of 2018, I made all the arrangements. I went back to CrossFit. I signed up. Went into the gym. And hey, remember me? Yeah, yeah. You doing? Now my only concern was my right leg, as I mentioned with the cellulitis attack, and not to gross anybody out, but the infection on the back of my leg looked like chopped meat. That's how bad the infection was. Okay. So I was scared with my leg. All that time, if I was crossing Sahara, which for those who don't know is a six-lane highway, right. <laughs> if I was walking across the road, I would not speed up my walk or jog. I would say, you know what? I don't want to test my leg. I was afraid to see what my leg was going to do healing. And I would sooner just get hit and then I'd own the world and sue everybody <laughs> and whatnot. But that very first night, and I've not had a workout since in over four years, was a workout the trainer knew my story, mm -hmm. and it was a 7 p.m. class in January. Make a long story short, it was mostly all running, jogging, and walking. Okay. So the last exercise was three laps outside around the parking lot. Uh -huh. It was in the backside of the building, so it was traffic-free. And on the very last lap, I couldn't jog even anymore. I was done, but I was walking. I was going to get the last lap in. The coach came out because I was the last one in from the group, met me halfway. He walked in with me just pumping me up, getting me in there. And when I walked into the building, the rest of my class, they were standing there. Ah. Because they all knew my story. Yeah, yeah. CrossFit is a family, not just going to the gym, because you can get intimidated in a gym. Yes. CrossFit is a family where they understand what, what people have to do. And that's what I do. That's why I have a trainer. I have accountability. I'm a person that needs accountability, i.e., Britt, to help me with my ball. She's over here. I'm looking at a smaller screen. Britt, over here. She held, held me accountable. We had our calls. We had our talks. And she wanted me to edit by a certain time. And I'm not silly enough to not take advantage of my wife, who's an educator. I edit it. But she edited my edits. Yes. Because that's my wife's a teacher. Yeah. So she held me accountable. And and so everything I do is with accountability, including my weight, including my workout. But if I'm this, this past Friday or the most recent Friday, normally I work out. Well, I had to do a walkthrough at the Sahara Hotel for the, the wrestling event that I did. Right. And I got a text at like 4.05 from my coach. Are you coming? Oh, that's <laughs> Where cool. are you? Yeah. Uh, I replied, no, I'm going through. She's, oh, because I had already worked out three times that week. Monday, Wednesday with her, and then I snuck in a boxing class on Tuesday. Don't tell her. Anyway, <laughs> so she messaged me because I'm like clockwork. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 4 p.m. So they're holding me accountable. And that is an important message in the book. We should be accountable to ourselves every day when we wake up and look in the mirror, but we all know we're not perfect. And so you have to have somebody behind you. Yeah, I think that's probably, as a writer, that's probably the hardest thing for me to do is be structured to where I know authors that will get up in the morning and they make themselves write for two hours. I don't know how Britt did it. I mean, it's not like she's sitting around just writing my book. Yeah. How did you do that? How did you schedule all of that? For crying out loud. I just kind of work on them when I feel the inspiration to write. And That's how I do my commercials. And I'm an inspirational writer. Yeah. But they say that you really should develop. I've never been able to do this, but they say you should have a routine, that you should always force yourself to get up and write two times, two hours in the morning or in the afternoon or whenever, but you always need to set aside that time. I've never been able to do that. I'm also one of those writers who can never work on one project at a time. I have I multiple. <laughs> I have multiple projects because if if I, a lot of people call it um, not brain freeze, but you know writer's block. Mm -hmm. 
I figure if I have more than one project, I'm not going to get writer's block because if I can't figure out where to go in this direction with this book, then I'll just go to the next one. Right. So I'm never going to have writer's block because mm-hmm. I'm always switching. Absolutely. Gears. When I write commercials for clients, my sponsors, um, I know enough about them and everything. and I know I have to do it. But like you guys just said, even writing a simple 30 second commercial, I can't just sit that second and write it. There are times I've written scripts like the night before I go into the studio to record them because I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to think of the phraseology that I want to use. Then all of a sudden, boom, it hits you. Give me my laptop. I'm ready to go. You know, Good, yeah. Let me get this thing. So I get the inspiration. It is very difficult to just sit down. I, I like comedy. And, and when I do my shows, anybody that's watched anything, I like, I'm more of what I like to call reactionary comic. Okay. I'll take a situation. I'll say something silly and funny to get everybody to crack up and I'll keep going. I'm not the kind of comic and i use that word very loosely where i can write a routine do an open mic night for 30 minutes because i'd have to write all that out right i couldn't do that now if somebody else were to want to write it for me i'll deliver it but i can't do that because i can't write i'm a very instinctive individual that when i see something that i want to make my wife laugh at like all the time we're watching shows i'm making silly comments going out of commercial because of something that just happened and she'll she just looks at me she starts laughing or she goes you know that was really you know that sort of thing so it's the same thing. Inspiration is so important in everything we do. So are you part of the local comedy groups? Or? No, I wish I, I, I'm working. I'm actually looking at that. I'm, 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 being, I'm being held accountable <laughs> by other individuals because I do want to do more improv, more acting. More, do you know Greg Bruce? He, he does a lot. Name rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had somebody tell me recently that I should take acting classes because I want to get into that. I think acting is a great release mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, similar to the cathartic method of writing, having somebody help you write a book. Um, I want to do that. I'm, I've done some things in front of the camera in acting roles. I've done some commercials for social media. Um, my wife and I, I, I do two shows on the network called goldennetwork.tv where I'm in front of the camera with troops and we're doing comedy things. But I want to delve more into that because I think it'll be, because before being heavy, you know who's my inspiration? I think I know I told this story. John Goodman. Okay. Great actor. Yeah. Plays everything from funny to horror. He does, yeah. But if everybody remembers what he looked like, in the I, original version of Roseanne. Exactly. He made me look small when I was heavy. Yeah. Okay. Then you see, and at that time, I said, well, geez, if this guy can do it, he, I, I know I can do this at, at his physical structure, right? He was my inspiration for that, along with Morgan Freeman, by the way. Most people don't realize he was 57 when he got his first major starring role. It was either Driving Miss Daisy or Shawshank Redemption, whichever one came first. I think it was Driving Miss Daisy. He was in his, he was mid-50s. Yeah. I'm turning 58. That's another inspiration. You know, Phyllis Diller was the same way. Was she really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. She started late. But she had a long career. It's, you, you, yeah, you didn't realize yeah. that. But, but she lived a long time. <laughs> well, that's true. She did. She did. Well, we'll, we'll leave that for another topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, Absolutely. so those are things that are inspirations. And, and I'll tell you what, everything we, we do, if we want to accomplish things, we have to have some sort of inspiration, whether it's internal or some sort of external inspiration to continue to drive us. We have to. Otherwise, why do we get out of bed every day? Right. You know, be, be, besides family or other people or like writing the book, I want, if I could change, which I know I have because people have reached out to me, but the old saying goes, if one person reads my book mm-hmm. and, and it's changed their life in any way yeah. and they tell me and they go out of their way to tell me this and they've, well, I'm doing one of my shows and my chat room is up and in the middle of the show, I'll get a message from somebody, one of the fans watching the show, they bought my book. Aaron's book was tremendous. It saved my life from depression and I, and I'm reading this online. In the middle of a show, uh-huh. I got tears in my eyes because yeah. I've read somebody with my yeah, words. Yeah. And that's, I think when we write books, whether it's uh, uh, like what I wrote or fiction or nonfiction, whatever, we want to entertain, but there's still somewhere is a message in there. I think singers, yeah. if you listen to some singers, they sing because they like to sing, they sing the words, the music, but some people like to sing in the words in the song to deliver the message that's in the song. Yeah, and I and I know a lot of people. If they reach one person with that song, they're happy. I always write. There isn't anything I've ever written in my mm-hmm. life that there's not a message behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually am working with a singer right now, Christy Love Brooks. Okay. And I don't know if you ever heard anything. I do. I I do know. I know her she name. knows you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We okay. talked about you last night. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> no wonder I'm. Well, I was going to say, wait a minute. But anyway, Hi, Christy. She, her, all her, all her, her, the songs that she's written, yes. all of them have meaning. Oh yeah, you, know, you have to. So. You have to. When you have the opportunity <clears throat> to put pen to paper, or in my case, voice to recorder with Brit, there has to be a purpose behind it. It's like any. T- Listen, growing up in in school, when we're taught to how to first write a paragraph, opening, middle, closing, right. Every movie, every show has all of that involved in it, right, right? Right. A show like this, we have the opening, welcome everybody. The middle is all of us gabbing, and at the end, you're going to wrap up 
Watch us next time. In just a minute. Every, well, good, because that's good to know. So don't get me talking. I'll, I, I feel bad for Brittany. She hasn't said a whole lot the last 30 minutes of the show. Uh, but we all have to have purpose for that and our inspiration and meaning. And, and for me, like I said, I'll, I'll forever, ever be grateful for Brit's involvement with my book yeah. because it would not have been – the fact that Britt helped me put the words on paper that I've changed people's lives and they've gotten the message in some form, that's worth it. I've, I'm getting goosebumps sitting here right now. And I think that's what, what's important about today's show is mm-hmm. that ghostwriters are really – they don't get the credit they should in the sense that they bring to life someone's story mm-hmm. that would never have happened otherwise. You know, It's it's really important to have that. And Brittany, I want to know where can people reach you if, if they're interested in either having something ghostwritten or even edited? Do you do editing? Sure. Yes, I do editing as well. Um, so you can reach me at www.clarenspublishing.com. Okay. Um, so probably the best way to reach me is just emailing Brit, B-R-I-T-T, at clarenspublishing.com. Okay. And so when you say publishing, you actually publish the books as well? Um, so I have someone who helps publish the books. Okay. So you do publishing then. So that's good. Great. Yeah. Okay. And Aaron, yes. Where where can we find you? Where can't you find me? I, 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 <laughs> I'm all over Facebook, but my, my two main websites, Aaron'sour.vegas is my website for my current show. My other website, which has a lot more detail of my history, you can go to Aaron's AaronPhillipsVoice.com. I'm all over Facebook. Um so that's really that's really the best. Or if you forget how to reach me, but you get Brit first, Brit knows how to get a hold of me. And your show is aired live on Facebook. Everything is aired live. Um, so yeah, so if you see us and see me make faux pas and do silly stuff, it's for all the world to see. I don't edit it out. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's been great, and I and I love that platform uh, as well. And fortunately, I have the opportunity. I should send Brit a copy of the commercial that was put together for the book. But uh, again, it's just another platform for people to see people reaching things that maybe they themselves wish they could do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about doing it. I want to entertain people. I don't talk politics or religion. It, it's, yeah. eh. I want to entertain, have fun, right. and inform people of good stuff that goes on around us. Right. Well, Brittany, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. And oh you're you're more than welcome. Thank you. And uh, I always say at the end of my show, if you can dream it, you can write it. So thank you again for being on the show. I did. <laughs> All right. With Brit's help. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Aspects of Writing. We hope you will join us next week as we discuss every aspect of the writing industry. Until then, if you can dream it, you can write it.